Hey, hey, welcome to the Live Like It's True podcast, where we talk through some of the most outlandish stories in the Bible and what it would look like to live like those stories are true. I'm your host, Shannon Popkin, and my hope is that these conversations will inspire you to better know the story, share the story, and live the story. When my son Cade was a baby, I was putting him in his car seat one day, and I accidentally bumped his head as I lowered him into the car. He looked at me with this expression of shock and said, Mommy, we don't want to hurt your precious baby. (laughs) His assumption was clear. I was his mom, and I loved him. He knew that. He was my precious baby. He knew that, too. And so it seemed inconsistent to him that I would fail to prevent him from being hurt. So... How do you respond when God, your father, allows you to get hurt? How do you pray after he fails to prevent the pain that you are experiencing or he fails to do the thing that would seem most consistent with the kind of God he is, a kind and loving father? How do you respond? The two women in our story today are experiencing this very thing. Martha and Mary both know that Jesus could have prevented their brother from dying, but Jesus didn't show up. And then when he came four days later, they're saying, Jesus, if you were here, they don't say it, but they seem to imply like, why didn't you come? Don't you care? In this true story of Easter series, we're talking through some of the parts of the Easter story which make us look at Jesus with this jaw-dropping astonishment. He does not do what we expect him to do, and this story is no exception. I'm going to be talking through some of the story elements that we find in John chapter 11 and 12, and then I'll be retelling the true story of Lazarus at the end. But before we get there, I want to remind you about my new Live Like It's True workbook. This 20-page downloadable resource is my free gift to you, and I have loaded it up with some great tools for studying the Bible, and especially for studying it as literature. One of the things that I've included is a two-page bookmark, which you can keep in your Bible. On one side of the bookmark is uh, a story elements checklist. So for instance, this little bookmark prompts you to think through, okay, who are the characters of the story? Where do I see the conflict and the resolution? And to look for the hidden meanings in literary devices. So I can't wait to get this resource in your hands. I hope you'll check the show notes or shannonpopkin.com to get your copy. Also, if you're loving the podcast and you have a minute, I would love for you to rate and review the podcast. This helps so much for other people to be able to find it. I hope that you were able to catch the last episode where Mary Cassian and I were able to talk about the true story of Lazarus. She had some amazing insights, just especially on how this situation with Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and I hope I did not just spoil the story for you there, um, but how this situation served as a political lightning rod, which started toppling the dominoes, uh, which led to the cross. I think it's interesting that only John, only the Gospel of John includes the story of Lazarus. It's kind of a big deal, uh, but only John includes it. And I wonder if it's because, you know, you'll recall from our last episode, we talked about how they're trying to kill Lazarus after he's been raised from the dead. He's a political problem. 
And I wonder if perhaps it was dangerous. It was more inflammatory to include Lazarus. And John, you know, is writing his gospel much later than the others. So he's perhaps in his 80s or 90s. Maybe Lazarus is either safe by then or he's deceased. Maybe the other writers didn't include the story because it might have been more inflammatory for Lazarus. Of course, again, I'm not sure, but there's a thought. And so for whatever reason, the other writers don't mention Lazarus's death and resurrection, but John does. And he doesn't just report that it happened. Uh, He tells us what happened in the forum of a story. John is a great storyteller. I can't wait to meet John and uh, hear some of his stories, you know, in person in heaven. But um, so I mentioned a minute ago how the Live Like It's True workbook prompts you to think through the story elements. And one of the story elements is its characters. So I want to notice with you some extra characters that John includes. So if you and I were to list out the characters in the story, we'd probably start with Jesus and Lazarus and Martha and Mary, and we might add in Thomas or some of the other disciples, like when they thought, you know, returning to Bethany was such a bad idea because it was such a politically charged movement. Those would probably be our character list. But I want to talk about these Jews who were there from Jerusalem. These guys are probably the religious elite, and they have shown up to grieve with Mary and Martha. Um, They're mentioned several times throughout the story. And what I think is interesting is these Jews are not essential to the plot line. You could take them out and still have the essential parts of the story. So see, you don't really need these Jews, and yet they are there. So we always have to pay attention to these extra characters that are, are written into our stories and ask, what is John, what is the author trying to show me here? Uh, Think about how authors and playwriters and movie directors often use the extras in the scene to help us see something that's significant, you know? So maybe the main character of a scene does something surprising, and then a random woman in the coffee shop looks over at him in surprise. You know, it kind of helps us to see, oh, that was surprising. So see how these extras in the scene, they help us to notice things about the main character. So with these Jews, these extras in our scene, what are we supposed to notice? So let me read the verses where it mentions them. In John chapter 11, 18, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that he, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So here they are, these Jews. And where we really seem to notice them is when Martha comes to tell Mary, the teacher's here, he wants to see you. And Mary gets up and rushes out, and the Jews who are there to console her, they they think, oh, she's going to the tomb, but that's not where she's going. She's going to see Jesus. And remember, it's when Jesus sees Mary weeping that he gets emotional. That's where we read that Jesus wept, um, and he was deeply moved in his spirit. And last time we talked about how this emotion, it's difficult to describe because Jesus is angry. He's indignant, and he's not mad that people are crying. He's mad that people are dying. You know, suppose that you were an architect or a builder of one of the buildings that is being bombed in Ukraine and you see your beautiful building that you spent your life designing or building being turned into a pile of rubble. Well, that's the sort of thing that Jesus is experiencing. He loves Lazarus, but he's also the I am who created Lazarus. 
Jesus is the author of life. He's the one who can take a handful of dirt, breathe life into it, and it becomes a living being. That's who Jesus is. And yet, because of sin, death is now robbing this gift of life from his friend. And it makes sense that Jesus is angry. He's sad in an indignant sort of way. But what I think is interesting is Jesus is not just responding when he's grieved deeply in his spirit. He's not just responding to Mary. He's also responding to these Jews who are there grieving as well. It says he looks at Mary and he looks at the Jews, and then he has this deeply emotional response. And then because of his emotional response, the Jews have different responses to Jesus. Part of them are saying, oh, see how he loved Lazarus. And the others are kind of cynical. I picture them kind of sneering as they say, oh, well, he, you know, he healed blind people. Could he not have healed his friend? And I'm guessing that this second group, they're the ones who are going to go tattle to the chief priests after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So ultimately, these sneering, unbelieving Jews are the ones who will cause the dominoes just start falling toward the cross. Um, And Jesus is not some wimpy, flatline character who just numbs out or shrugs it off. Jesus gets emotional. He has come as the Messiah to the Jews. I think it's interesting that John keeps referring to them as the Jews. Jesus is the Messiah for the Jewish people. He's come to save them from their sin, and yet they don't believe. Their hearts want to murder him instead of trust in him. And so after Jesus sees this unbelief, then he has the same deep emotion. The text talks about it twice, and both times it's in response to the Jews who are there in the scene. So I think they're there to help us see what's going on here, why Jesus is getting emotional. It seems to be in response to their lack of faith in what God is about to do. The the Moody commentary says that um, the lack of faith that these Jews has so moved the Lord that he wept at their unbelief. And it also says that the two significant examples of Jesus weeping are this one, and then there's another example in Luke 19.41 where Jesus is looking at the city of Jerusalem and he's weeping. And again, he's weeping over their unbelief. So I think these extras in the scene, they help us to see that Jesus is responding to more than just Mary's grief and sorrow. He's responding to this whole story that is unfolding about a chosen people rejecting the very Messiah who was sent to save them. So before I retell this story for you, let's just take a moment and consider how to live like this story is true. I think there's such a great temptation to respond exactly like these skeptical Jews when we're watching, especially when we're watching a faithful follower of God who's hurting. We look at their grief and their struggle and we think, this is what she gets after following you, God? This is how you reward her? Um, I have several friends right now who are grieving. Some have sickness. Some have kids who are going through adults, young adult kids. Some are in a church that's splitting. And in these dark moments, it can be tempting to say, you know, wait, Jesus, you know, you love them and yet you're letting this happen to them. Could you not have stopped it? That's where my heart goes. And I wonder if that's where your heart goes sometimes too. Here's the reality. We live in the broken. 
We walk among the broken. We live in a world that is absolutely sagging under the weight of sin. That's our reality. But here also is our reality. This deep sorrow and sadness and pain and struggle, it's only for a season. Like Lazarus, we, those who love Jesus, we will rise again and we will have new life in the new creation. All of this pain and grief of the broken world that we know will be swallowed up in victory. So, you know, I think living like it's true means crying over the broken. That's what Mary is doing. And she was right to do it. I think Martha's responding to the broken world, too, when, you know, Jesus says, roll away the stone, and she's like, it's going to stink, Lord. Our world is broken. That's how it is. There's no place in the story where God asks you to fake like the broken world can't hurt you. It can, and it will. It hurt Jesus. It angered him. But living like it's true also means anticipating the day when our King Jesus will return and make all things new. So here is the retelling of the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, was gravely ill. So the two sisters sent word to Jesus. They knew that Jesus loved their brother and they hoped that he would come, but he didn't. He delayed and Lazarus died and the sisters were devastated. When Jesus finally arrived in their town of Bethany, Martha went out to meet him, but Mary stayed back at the house where the Jews from Jerusalem had come to console her. When Martha saw Jesus, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But Jesus told her, your brother is going to rise again. He said, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha affirmed that yes, she believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Martha went to tell Mary that Jesus wanted to see her, and when Mary got up and rushed out of the house, the Jews who were there to console her assumed that she was going to the tomb, and they followed her. But Mary wasn't going to the tomb. She was going to see Jesus. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. When Jesus looked at Mary's tears, and when he looked at the tears of the Jews who were with her, Jesus became deeply emotional. The Jews who saw Jesus' reaction said, Look how he loved him. But others said, could he not have kept Lazarus from dying? Then Jesus came to the tomb and he asked them to move away the stone. And Martha said, Lord, by now there will be an odor. But Jesus reminded her, didn't I just tell you you'd see the glory of God? Then Jesus prayed out loud so that everyone could hear and believe. And he thanked God for hearing his prayer. With a loud voice, Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he did. He came out bound up in his grave clothes so that Jesus said, let the guy go, and they cut him loose. People came from far and wide to see Lazarus and hear his story, but the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death too because people were hearing his story and believing in Jesus. I hope you'll take some time and read this story in John chapter 11 and 12 for yourself. You can use the Live Like It's True workbook uh, to work through the different story elements, but I hope you'll treasure it up so that you can retrieve it and so you can share it with others. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of this True Story of Easter series. I hope you'll be back with me next Wednesday, where Aaron Davis and I will talk about the true story of the Lamb. And please feel free to use the contact form and let me know what you're thinking of the podcast. I would love to hear from you. 
It's been great to be with you today, and now it's time to go live like it's true. <laughs>